February is here, which means it's your time to grab monumental savings at Telegraph Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram during their President's Day event. Take advantage of huge cash allowances, 0% financing for 72 months, or extremely low lease rates on some of our hottest-selling 2021 models, like the Ram 1500, Jeep Grand Cherokee, and Chrysler Pacifica. One nation with deals and wheels for all. Visit Telegraph Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Taylor today, but hurry, these offers end March 1st. With proof credit. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Happy Tuesday from sunny 80 degrees Southern California. I know I'm being mean, uh, but look, if I'm getting good weather. Weather usually travels west to east, so you'll be getting good weather shortly as well. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. And, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. First, we want to thank you for everybody listening on radio, on stream, on podcast, watching us on Twitter's Periscope, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and soon to be LinkedIn Live and other areas. We're always uh, making it easier for you to listen and to watch what we talk about. Uh, Today, please listen up as we have back on the program one of my favorites, Tom Conway, who is the president of the United Steelworkers Union, the USW. They are North America's largest industrial union, 1.2 million members and retirees strong in the country, Canada and the Caribbean as well. And they proudly represent men and women who work in nearly every industry that there is. Now, Tom is the union's most experienced contract negotiator in steel, aluminum, oil, and other major industries where USW members work, often directing bargaining during crises. And we're in a crisis right now. Good to bring back. Check out the website, USW.org, and follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers. Good to bring back President Tom Conway, president of the USW. Um, Thank you for joining us and rejoining us, I should say, President Conway. I know that you're busy. Uh, Thank you for being with us this afternoon. Lots to talk about. Thanks for having me on, Leslie. You know, through both Democratic and Republican administrations, President Conway, um, we have seen, and more so in Republican and certainly the last four years, a, a, a complete ignoring of the needs regarding infrastructure in this nation. And these are massive needs, ignoring the D minus ratings that we get. And, it, and it's not just, uh, you know, people forget, you know, although there are essential structures in our nation that keep us running, roads, bridges, and dams, um, you know, we, we have ports that, that are crumbling and all of these roads, bridges and dams are, are failing each day. Are you as president of the USW more positive or optimistic that in this administration we can actually get something done? Because infrastructure is something that has bipartisan support. Right. Look, I think um, first this president, Biden, is serious about getting it done. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. And he's promised in his campaign that infrastructure is going to be at the top of his list. And in our discussions with him, it's certainly been sort of the top of the list. And so I think, you know, he wants to try and get 
his hands around this virus, and that's then his next big initiative is going to be infrastructure. And he and our infrastructure is is really in such ill repair. And I, and I think, you know, it, it's been in place for such a long time and people rely on it and don't want to spend money and don't want to maintain it. And, you know, that's what happens when you don't sort of take care of your assets. So, I mean, we, we hear all the stories about bridges, but we have waterways. We have a, we have an electrical grid that we see in Texas, how it failed, but the electrical grid across the country is, is old as well. It needs to be updated. And there's a, there's a tremendous yield loss when you have an old system that you just sort of lose energy. And it's estimated that we lose eight, 9% of our energy loss and yield loss because of the inefficiencies of an old system our piping systems, our water systems that are beneath our feet leak billions of gallons of fresh water a day because the pipes are old. In some cases, they were made back in the days when barrel makers made them. We have wooden pipes under some of our cities moving our water and leaking all day long. And so the needs are just so vast to to identify these projects and get to work on them and update them. And, and, you know, the result is it just makes everything else so efficient. Business can be more efficient. Transportation can be more efficient. Um, if our roads are repaired, if our bridges are reliable, if our dams and waterways are cleaned and dredged and, and we know that the locks are working the way they need to be, it be, you know, our broadband system, that's part of our infrastructure. Our, our fiber optics, the, the glass that we use to build them. And, and then, you know, it's also, we've seen this pandemic has taught us a lesson and, and one that we really need to pay attention to and learn. We didn't have a medical infrastructure mm. when this struck. We didn't have PPE ability. We struggled with medicine availability. We had the capability to begin to the research of getting a virus, but to this day, we couldn't make our own gowns. We couldn't make our own surgical gloves and rubber gloves and provide safety for our, our people who were gonna take care of us. And that's all, that's all an infrastructure issue. And so there's a social infrastructure problem as well that goes to our schools um our ability to to keep them heated and clean and upgraded and the right kind of ventilation system and so all of that taken together is is what infrastructure has to be it's not just the building of bridges and concrete and steel and aluminum it covers a lot of other issues and and we're we're anxious to get to work on it. We, we have a program that we're running around the, throughout the, our entire union called We Supply America. Our union is the largest manufacturing union. And so you, you, we need a supply chain that's, that's constant, that's stable, that's there, that employers can rely on in order to make an investment. And 
and go back and create a safe um, a safe infrastructure that's modern and keeps the country moving in the right way. So we're fully invested in it. We have the skilled workforce to do it and supply what this country needs. And so Congress needs to act. And if you think about infrastructure, it's in every state. And so, you know, if there are senators who think this is just a Democrat issue or they want to get political with it, a lot of this infrastructure comes out of states with Republican um, representatives. And, and so this should be genuinely a decent bipartisan issue that people can work on for the good of the country and, and put politics aside. No, I, I, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, a lot of people, when they think of infrastructure, they think about roads, bridges, dams. Um, and, and certainly, as we mentioned, those are crumbling or failing each day. But I like the fact that you mentioned uh, uh, fiber optics, uh, which are communications networks, which are part of our infrastructure, and that you mentioned PPE and other um, health-related needs, because public health services um, are also part of um infrastructure and, you know, both communications networks and public health services are certainly inadequate as are our road, roads, bridges and dams. Now you said we have the skilled workforce needed to supply the goods and services to build up our nation. So do we need, because many people out there say we need an aggressive long-term federal investment when it comes uh, to infrastructure. And I, I think we're being reminded uh, of what's happening right now with Texas, as you pointed out, what happens when you fail to invest? And we're hearing now that for over a decade, people warned Texas this was coming. Um, so is the United States looking at Texas, uh, whether it be with the power grid or in other ways because of our roads, bridges, dams, communications networks, and public health services, if we don't jump all in and have an aggressive long-term federal investment in infrastructure? Look, if if you if you have a car and you never do any maintenance on it, you don't change the oil, you don't take care of the things that need to be taken care of, it, you don't look after it, you don't bother with the windshield wiper blades, and eventually it breaks down on you, you shouldn't be shocked. Yeah. And so if you have an infrastructure that you haven't maintained, you haven't done anything with. Your Department of Public Works and your public sector employees are always trying to patch something together and and pipes underneath the cities are rupturing every day and there's massive ruptures. And, and I think if people would, would be shocked to understand the amount of um, work that goes into that, that you that's invested in having to fix something that's broke because you you patched it up and you didn't right. fix it right and you didn't invest in it. And so to not invest is such a short-term foolish approach. And if you think about the last administration put nearly a $2 trillion tax giveaway to very rich people in the very early days of that administration, that money is the kind of money that needs to be going absolutely. into the... Absolutely. And, and so, 
President Conway, I hate to interrupt. We're going to take a quick break because we're on a tight uh, break and we will be back to you. I will let you finish the rest of your comment on the other side of this break. I apologize for the interruption. And I want to talk more about improving infrastructure, which technically improves safety for all people. I'm Leslie Marshall back after this. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. We are back. We are Leslie Marshall and our guest in this hour, Tom Conway. He was president of the United Steelworkers, the USW. Check out their website, usw.org. On Twitter and Instagram, please follow them, at Steelworkers. We are talking about investing in American infrastructure. President Conway, before um, I ask you another question, please finish what you were saying. And my apologies once again for the interruption. Look, I I think the point I was just making is to take truth... People are obsessed with their taxes, and I, and I understand taxation, and but if, but you can't run a country if you don't invest in it, and you can't maintain anything. And, and so when, when all the drive is to reduce your taxation and not spend on what you need in order to keep your infrastructure healthy and that's state-of-the-art, that, that's really a short-term view. And, and that example in the early days of the last administration, I think it's very fitting that to take $2 trillion, give it back to a bunch of companies who weren't paying taxes to begin with, or give it to the very, very rich, rather than invest it in the country, which would spur jobs and job growth and create trading opportunities. And in in communities across the country, really – sort of bring meaningful economic opportunity to people in, in all our neighborhoods. That's, that's what infrastructure can do. And it can build a supply chain of manufacturers who are comfortable and confident that they can locate here and put up factories and provide opportunity to supply that infrastructure program that's going to go on. And I, I think that is fundamentally how this country is going to get itself out of this economic doldrum that we're in and, and, and sort of return to a day of manufacturing things, adding value to things, investing in our own country, building a tax base by putting people back to work so that you can pay off the investment. I, I think this is circular and takes care of itself over time and rebuilds your infrastructure and leaves you in a place where you can really run. And and if it's understood right and viewed right, it crosses so many sectors and so many people are impacted by it and it can just drive, drive growth. And um, so look, we think it is sort of central to what the nation has to do in the coming years. And we have to, you know, it, it we didn't get here overnight. It's going to take us, a decade to sort of get out of it. But, you know, we strengthen our supply chains, we build factories to, to supply the infrastructure needs. Um, you know, if we're going to 
an electrical vehicle um, growth in our in our auto fleet, we're going to need charging stations across this country. And the, just the infrastructure of charging stations alone is a massive undertaking. And all of that fits together with with what we need and meeting our energy and transportation needs. So, I mean, the, the, the potential for doing this is tremendous and, and the pitfall of not doing it is also tremendous. And I think, you know, Texas is seeing that in just a small way, you know, last summer in, in the middle of Michigan, we had a dam fail. I, I mean, who, who would have thought of this? An, an entire town was under 25 foot of water and, and families and factories and the whole central Michigan economy was just sort of stalled and shut down by the failure of a dam on a river that everybody knew was faulty, that it wasn't going to last. It needed work, but no one was coming up with the plan or the money to fix the dam. And, and so we just lived through crisis after crisis. And if, and if this is done right, so many of, these projects can have a good impact on climate issues, on carbon issues, on, on clean issues going forward. You can, you can buy clean products and how they're made. And so you can fit a lot of things together on your infrastructure rebuild. You know, you mentioned Texas, and I'm glad you did. You read my mind because I wanted to circle back to that because um, that's a that's an example of failing to invest in, in what can happen. They failed to invest in winterizing infrastructure. That led to the widespread power outages, the freezing pipes. I also want to point out that in 1989, cold weather caused power failures across Texas. It led to a federal study, by the way, not a statewide study in Texas. And in that study, they spelled out how to avoid such a disaster in the future. How? By winterizing equipment uh, the way more northern power companies do. And in 2011, um, closer to where we are now, Arctic weather caused a series of rolling blackouts and the FERC, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, produced another report. And they again warned Texas power companies and regulators again that they had to winterize their equipment. They said, quote, the single largest problem during the cold weather event was the freezing of instrumentation and equipment. That report and the earlier report was ignored by Texas. We see these types of reports with regard to infrastructure constantly ignored. And and, and year after year or every four years, things aren't being done or enough isn't being done or sometimes nothing is being done. Why? President Conway, there are people out there, there are voters out there, certainly people in Texas who are listening to us and watching us today. Why? Why are these reports, why are these warnings being ignored? And why are both uh, Democrats and Republicans um, not ignoring but not doing enough to get this done? Because you know they say, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But it's broken. Well, look, it's sort of, it's the old adage of whistling past the graveyard is applicable here. I mean, no politician wants to stand up and go to his constituency and say, we've got to spend a lot of money here and fix something that's not imminent. It's not right in front of us. But if we don't do it, it's going to be a problem. And it's sort of like buying insurance. People buy insurance. No one likes paying that premium. 
but you know in your heart that if you don't have something that's going to back you up, when something bad takes place, and, and the risk is always there and it's always high, you can't be stranded. And so that's, what the, that's the game they're playing on the infrastructure. I, I don't want to raise it on my term. I'll kick the can down the road. Let the person who either succeeds me or someone else do this. But I'm not going to bring bad news to someone and talk about we've got to increase our tax spend on these problems. And I'll just hope that it doesn't happen while I'm in office and I don't get blamed. Or if it does happen, I'll jump on a plane and try to go to Cancun and weather it out down there. That That's, that's what we see out of our politicians. It takes some courage and boldness to stand up and say to people, we've got to spend money here or we're going to have a lot of trouble down the road. It's the same absolutely. That we have absolutely. So you need politicians that are bold and honest enough to say this is this is crucial to us and to lead the nation in the right way. A- absolutely. You get you get what you pay for, right? Point. Right. We're going to take yep. another break. President Conway will be right back more with President Tom Conway, the president of the United Steelworkers, the USW and me, Leslie Marshall, right after this. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall, and we'll be sure to share your tweets. Leslie Marshall, welcome or welcome back. We uh, welcome back President Tom Conway, president of the USW. Please follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Steelworkers and the website USW.org. President Conway, uh, again, sorry, I had to interrupt you there. Uh, We were talking about uh, Texas, the failure to invest. Anything else you want to say on that before we talk about more uh, specifics and, and more benefits um, of investing in infrastructure. You were saying before the break that you need an honest politician to basically say, hey, you, you, if you want roads, you gotta, we got to pay for them. And, and we're, we might have to raise your taxes to do that, but this is for the best interest of everyone involved, not just now, but in the future. And, and you just, like you said, most politicians care about being reelected. Yeah. So look, I think I think we're going to get there on that. I think we have people who now there seems to be enough momentum growing to have a genuine infrastructure discussion and try and figure out um, how to put the right kind of dollars towards this thing. And, And I think people are beginning to understand. And every day, another event comes to light, which highlights what we have to do. Um, I mean, even if you think about methane leakage, which is a sort of a more harmful, um, more harmful to the to the atmosphere than CO2, but our methane leakage in this country is astounding. And so, the piping that needs to be replaced and done would put a lot of people to work, and would clean up our infrastructure, and would clean up the atmosphere, and the benefits are just sort of multiplied by it. Um, so, look, what, what we have done and launched in the last two weeks is a program across our union 
and our our union, you know, people hear the name the steel workers and think, well, these guys are just making steel. But our portfolio is very broad and it covers a lot of sector, a lot of energy. We we refine oils, we maintain pipelines, we work on on oil and gas issues, including fracking. Um, we make rubber and tire and auto parts. We're the largest auto parts maker union. Um, we're not an assembly union like the UAW. We make steel, aluminum, we mine copper and, and, and work in the public sector. And so it's a broad portfolio of our union. And we've launched a program called We Supply America. And right now, each of our local union leaders are going to their company and sitting down and having a joint discussion about what it is that they make in their factory, in their place, in their workplace that would support the infrastructure program. And we're going to funnel all of that into the administration so there's an inventory of what we can do. Because part of America's problem is we've allowed that to slide offshore. And over the last decades, a lot of what we've done, just like we saw with the PPE, the medical emergency, has been offshored. And an infrastructure program can allow us to bring that back. And so we're going to work together with our employers. Um, We're typically on issues like this. We can work fine and collaborate together and strengthen the supply chain so that the supply chain here is permanent. It supports the infrastructure. It supports our communities. Um, we're, we're supplying whatever needs the infrastructure work needs. You know, there's a there's sort of a terrible story that comes out of California on the Bay Bridge some time ago mm-hmm. where California's politicians sourced the bridge from China. Yep. And it took forever to get the bridge built, and there were tremendous quality problems. And it never worked out well. And the overspend on it was just staggering. And it was just a stupid idea to think that you could have a bridge built in China, shipped over here and erected, just because the labor rate in China was so cheap. And so if we can't approach our infrastructure this time in that sort of a way. And we've got to build it here and make it here, make it clean, and put Americans to work on our own infrastructure that we're spending American tax dollars on. And I think they should, Americans should expect nothing less that if we've got to make this sort of investment, that they benefit from it, that it's not coming from offshore, that it is, there is truly a buy American component with it. And, and our investment is, is comes back to us in the form of paychecks and work and good jobs and, and strengthen our community. So, you know, when I said earlier, it's sort of circular, That that's how this works. And, it, and this program can do a lot to help this country. Yeah, and speaking of, because you touched upon jobs, and we talked about politicians, you know, who are afraid. Well, you know, one of the great things is, you know, it's an investment, not just in our infrastructure, but it's an investment you know, more so in the middle class. And we saw in past elections how income inequality actually helped Democrats, not the income inequality, but pointing out this is a problem and we have a diminishing middle class and we need to do something about that. 
and, and Republicans actually lost seats because they didn't see um, and, and talk about this problem and how it needs to be fixed. So if you look at infrastructure, you have the creation that you touched upon, um, you know, President Conway, millions of jobs, stable jobs, quality jobs that would be created now, jobs that would last into the future, and those jobs would provide a pathway to the middle class for millions of Americans. So people who are living as lower uh, lower income or you know below the poverty level could become middle class, and people who are middle class and are fearful that class will go away due to income inequality. Uh, that that would help to strengthen that segment, uh, the working class uh, in our population. Can you speak to that? Well, if you think about this, and I, it, we sh- I don't think this is, we're over-dramatizing this. This is not much different than what Franklin Roosevelt faced when he was trying to get the depression over. And we've been stagnant in wages and in wage growth in this country for decades now. And the pandemic has just highlighted and made it so much worse. But what helped pull the country out was the sort of works programs that they put in place. And some succeeded better than others. And, and this is, was a trial and error thing for him. But, but the Civilian Conservation Corps, the WTA, the investment in, in, that the government made in America and putting people back to work and finding work for them. So I don't think we need a find work program because the work is here. And the infrastructure is glaringly right in our face about what needs to be done. So I don't think we need to invent things to do, but we have to invest in those things. And I mean, the the issue is right in front of us. If the government invests in it and creates the kind of both jobs and rebuild program that is similar to what the Roosevelt era did, it's going to pull us out of here. And look, we're going to have a somewhat different economy when we come through this. Mm-hmm. And and people in some trades and some occupations are going to just have to find their way to doing something else. And this gives people a real opportunity. And and look, this is this is high tech work too. I mean, there's going to be a lot of training. I mean, the idea of, of um, rebuilding the electrical grid across the country, that, that is going to take skills and training and investment in jobs and skills that people will have for the rest of their lives. I mean, it's modern technologies. It's going to make our industries more efficient. And um, so I think there, we are really at a turning point. And that our infrastructure is of an age that it has to get done. And, and to me, the, the benefits are sort of everywhere you look around it. You know, other than people are going to say, well, it's going to take so much money. But it's going to take so much more money if you don't do it. Absolutely. I mean, Texas right now is spending a tremendous amount of money. And, and you know, they've gotten federal disaster relief and it's going to take so long for them to dig out from this just because they wanted to get out from some direct, some regulation and kind of run it on their own. And so, all right, you want to do that? You go on your own, 
you, you run the risk. And yeah. now the chickens have come home to roost. Very true and very well put, President Conway. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to you after this, talking more about infrastructure and how we fare uh, compared to the rest of the world. We'll be back right after this. Okay. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. And we're back on Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Like I said, we have one of my favorite guests from one of my favorite organizations, the United Steelworkers, the USW. Our guest is President Tom Conway. And if you want to know about what they do, like he said, it's not just steel, not just aluminum. They work in so many areas. Um, and you got to check it out for yourself. Just see how much they do and the opportunities available to you uh, through that union and as a result of that union. Go to USW.org and on Twitter and Instagram, follow them. Their handle there is at Steelworkers. Uh, President Conway, thank you for holding a welcome back. One of the things that people, I think, forget about uh, with regard to infrastructure is our standing in the world. For example, infrastructure investment before COVID-19, before this pandemic, was only one third of what it was back in 1960. So that you know, lack of addressing a failing infrastructure in our nation certainly doesn't put us on par with the rest of the world. I mean, how can the United States be globally co competitive if our technology and, and our infrastructure um, is not up to speed with the rest of the world. Would infrastructure and investing in infrastructure boost our nation's global competitive, competitiveness? Excuse me. Look, part part of what part of the problem that goes with offshoring is is if if some other country has built an infrastructure to support manufacturing or to support um, work that's going to go on, and and someone's deciding where they're going to put a factory. And the roads here don't work, or the power system isn't reliable, or the water systems that they need aren't adequate for what they're doing. All it does is induce them to look somewhere else. And so having an up-to-grade state-of-the-art infrastructure is crucial as a foundation of a building plan to be able to build back here. And so, you know, the, the Biden's the Biden's team is is talks about build back better, and I think that's that's the right way to think about this. Is that we do need to build back, but we do need to do it in such a better way. You know, if you think about an infrastructure that was built when the country had a population of say 150 million people, and no one was the pressure on our sewer systems, the pressure on our water systems, the pressure on our electrical systems. It, it, it wasn't built to, to handle that. And then it wasn't built to handle the climate issues that we see going on. And if, and if you can just think about the past few years about wildfires and storms and, and floods and dam breakages and, and the things that the climate is presenting to us for to an infrastructure that was never designed to handle anything like that. It was never designed to handle the kind of winters we're having or the kind of rainfalls we've had. 
in Washington, D.C., or the flood, the dam breaks in Michigan, or just the, the water demands and the electrical demands that the country has and the power demands. So to think that you can have old equipment and an old system keep up with that demand that keeps on growing and now into a nation of 330 million people who all want or need this stuff, but you're going to continue to try and do it from an old foundation of old equipment is just foolish. And, and so investment in this country is going to look to, is this a solid place where I can put my money? Can I put it in an investment here and know that the utilities coming into it, the peripherals that I'll need, are going to be there and they're reliable and I'm getting support out of those things and the power company is going to be able to keep me going and and I'm going to have the right kind of ability to treat water systems and and those those things are are part of what businesses are going to look at and and if we don't have them they're going to go somewhere else so you know while the rest of the world is developing we think of ourselves as such an advanced modern nation, but the truth is our stuff has gotten old and we've got to fix it in order to keep ourselves where we were. And, and in the past, we did a lot more investment, but in recent years, um, the idea of, of spending tax money uh, that way has become just so political and such a game and people have got to push past it. This is a political issue and folks are going to have to deal with it. You know, when the pandemic first started, there were people out there buying toilet paper, paper towels. People were concerned. People were concerned there wasn't going to be um, access. There weren't going to be enough supplies. And of course, people were concerned about food. When people at these, uh, the CEOs of these markets and things were asked, um, you know, are, are you going to run out of toilet paper? Are you going to run out of food? Are you going to run out of bottled water? Their answers almost always were, well, it depends what happens with the supply chain, right? It depends if we have a break in the supply chain. Um, infrastructure, investing in our infrastructure, bolstering those transportation networks, improving our capacity for international trade. Um, and, you know, if you streamline the movement of raw materials into factories and the shipping of products out to customers, that, that doesn't just, you know, put a Band-Aid on, you know, a leak in a supply chain, if you will. If, God forbid, we have a pandemic like this or worse in the future, it certainly strengthens that supply chain. That's another benefit of investing in infrastructure, correct? Look, look your supply chain... First of all, there's a lot of CEOs out there who really could use a lot of toilet paper. But <laughs> beyond that, your supply chain is your infrastructure. And so you've got to keep your supply chain healthy in order to keep yourself going. And so all that, your transportation networks, the way you can move your materials, um, the way you can get things in and out of your factory and to your customers, get, get, businesses rely on that. And, and the foundation of that is your infrastructure. And so in order to keep your infrastructure healthy, you need a supply chain to supply that infrastructure. And I think that's the turning point we're at here. We've got to build a supply chain that is reliable, 
to keep our, our infrastructure healthy so the other downstream supply chains can continue to operate and operate efficiently. And look, that, that saves money in the long run. That's, that saves, that increases productivity and, and people can, can ensure some economic resiliency and keep our communities thriving and, and keep on going and our business is healthy. So, um, yeah, look, I think we saw, we saw the panic of the toilet paper and look for us, in our industry, in our union, we make paper, and we make paper products and boxes and paper towels and a lot of toilet paper. So when the toilet paper boom went, our paper makers all sort of looked at each other and said, ah, I guess this is pretty cool. Everybody's going to have toilet paper for a while. And, um, but it is that sort of panic people recognize. Um, <laughs> we're going to get stuck without something. Uh, but that's our toilet paper story in our union. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have about a minute left, President Conway. Um, I want to give you the, the floor in that last minute and, uh, you know, just uh, tell the listeners and viewers what you really want to hit home uh, regarding infrastructure in our conversation today. Look, I think it's important for Americans to approach this as an American problem and not decide this is Biden's problem this is the Republicans a, a problem to sort of oppose it. This is not something that we should take sides on. This is something we need to do together, whether you're in a union or you're out of a union. In all our communities, everybody can stand to benefit from rebuilding what we need and bringing some health and vitality back to our infrastructure, which will lead to a stronger nation for us. So I think this is really an important turning point for us as a nation, as a people, to make an investment in ourselves, um, to build what we need going forward, to give ourselves the tools we need to return to a thriving economy and one that provides opportunity for people across all regions. And and um, we can revitalize a lot of places if we do this the right way. So, uh, look, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on your show, Leslie, and, and be able to talk about this. Well, President Conway, we appreciate you setting the record straight um, because you don't have, uh, you know, a political, you know, political gain. I mean, we certainly see uh, unions disagree with politicians, both Democrats and Republicans, um, you know, as well as say, hey, look, Democrat or Republican, we need you people to get together to get this done for the best interest of American workers, the middle class, job creation, the economy, staying uh, competitive with the global economy uh, and so much more because we don't know what lies ahead. I think COVID-19 has taught us that. Uh, uh, President Conway, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, I adore you and I'm glad that you're with us today. President Tom Conway is president of the USW. Once again, go to their website, usw.org. Find out more. They don't just do steel. Twitter and Instagram, follow them there. Their handle is at Steelworkers. I'm Leslie Marshall. Special shout out and thank you to our great executive producer, Marky Mark Rinaldi. I hope everybody is staying safe. Please wear your masks, social distance. Even if you get your vaccines, you've got to be careful. All right? Be careful out there. And please help Texas and others who need food, who need heat, who need blankets, who need water, 
and who needs breaks. I'm Leslie. February is here, which means it's your time to grab monumental savings at Gallen Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Roseville during their President's Day event. Take advantage of huge cash allowances, 0% financing, or extremely low FCA employee lease rates on some of our hottest-selling 2021 models, like the Jeep Cherokee, Chrysler Pacifica, and Jeep Renegade. One nation with deals and wheels for all. Visit Gallen Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Roseville today. But hurry, offers end March 1st with approved credit. February is here, which means it's your time to grab monumental savings at Dick Scott Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram during their President's Day event. Take advantage of huge cash allowances, 0% financing, or extremely low lease rates on some of our hottest-selling 2021 models, like the Ram 1500, Jeep Grand Cherokee, and Chrysler Pacifica. One nation with deals and wheels for all. Visit Dick Scott Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Plymouth today. But hurry, offers end March 1st with approved credit. 